0: Why do they pay big name speakers lots of money, $50,000, $100,000 to speak because they're known names that are going to draw people to buy tickets for the conference and attend the conference? So those are those upper tier celebrity speakers like the Bernie Browns and former elected officials, former CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. They can get in to be keynote speakers from name recognition and title recognition. People don't really care that much about their content and speaking ability. Like they'll get better because they're doing it a lot, but that's it. Where most of are, so me, you, Monique, your listeners, we are more in the edutainment keynote speakers. So yes, we need to impart valuable information and insights, but we're there to provide an entertaining experience for the audience at the event. We are there to set the tone, to make sure people are excited about being there and walk away feeling something, not just thinking something. And this is what I call the expert trap.
1: Welcome to the Juicy CEO Podcast. Listen, it's time to give you some hard truths, so sit up and pay attention. If you don't know how to stand out online today, you have already lost. In order to create credibility, influence, and real staying power, you have to build a personal brand with some juice. So join me, personal brand strategist, coach, and breast cancer survivor, Monique Bryan, each Wednesday morning as I teach you all the tips and tricks I use to build my six-figure brand while in remission. It's time for you to get to that juicy CEO status by learning from some badass women in business who've been where you are, showing you that juicy CEOs are made, not born. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to get into the juice. Hello, my lovelies. Oh, I cannot wait for this conversation today because it's near and dear to all of Monique's aspirations and dreams. And we all know how much I talk about being a speaker. And I know a lot of you people who come to me are like, Monique, I really want to be a speaker. How do I be a speaker? Trust me, I'm a good speaker. So today we're going to talk to an expert on what it really means to position yourself as that thought leader and a speaker that people want to hear from. So today we're going to be talking to Carol Cox, who is the founder and CEO of Speaking Your Brand, a coaching and training company that helps high-performing, purpose-driven women entrepreneurs and professionals create their signature talk and thought leadership platforms. Carol is the host of the weekly five-star rated Speaking Your Brand podcast and during election seasons serves as a democratic political analyst on TV news. Carol was named as one of Orlando's Women's of the Year in 2021 and has been featured in Forbes. Through her company and content, her mission is to empower more women to find their voice, to tell their stories that need to be told, and to activate ideas for change. Yes, a woman after my own heart. So please welcome Carol to the Juicy CEO stage.
0: Monique, I am so excited to be here with you. You have such fabulous energy. Like I am just happy on cloud nine already.
1: I love it. I love it. Okay, good. Because I want all my my energies to always be contagious for people and feel it in the vibes and the vibes. So I would love like so many guys, so many questions, (laughs) so many things I want to know and I want to ask. And guys, anything you don't get answered today, definitely go check out her podcast because there's, you just give so many juicy nuggets over there. But I would love it if we even just started out with a little bit about your story and how you got into this business in the first place. Yeah, sure. So I've been public speaking since I was in high school, was on
0: the speech and debate team and then college. And then my first and I went to graduate school for history I had, you know, my aspirations was to be a PhD in the ivory tower. You <laughs> know, in mm-hmm. academia, but that that route didn't seem all that lucrative at the time. And so I decided to go into software development, right? It makes sense. You know, the history so professor, weird. the software development, but what have you. And so did a technology business for a number of years with my husband. And then about 2014-ish, I just got burnt out. you know, burnt out with programming, with code, and just really wanted to get back working with people. I had been doing public speaking and marketing tech conferences up until that point. And so I thought, what's, the, what's the next business that I want to start? And I knew I wanted to work with women, with women entrepreneurs. And I knew how much public speaking had helped me, had helped me not only with my business, but helped me develop confidence. So I said, well, let, let me focus on that for the business. And hence speaking your brand was born in 2015.
1: Mm, and I love the name of your company. I love speaking your brand. You know, we talk all about brand over here on the show. But I, so as a branding expert, I will say that it is so clear and everyone will know what that is just from hearing it out the gate. So I love that you have that. And I love all the little twists and turns that you did to get to this point. And I can even tell like how you speak, like you're a speaker. Like it's just, you can always tell when people are speakers, right? Also people who have been on the news and that's what they do. They have a very, I would love to talk a little bit about like some of that, is yeah. it, do you have to do some like media training for that? Yeah. So the answer is
0: no. And here's what happened. The reason, so back in in my younger, when my younger days, so when I was 30, I was elected chairperson of the Democratic Party. I'm, you know, I'm in the States. So I live in Florida of the area that I lived in. So, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed, 30 years old. I was like, yes, I'm going to revolutionize local politics and elect women to office, right? Do all this stuff. And so when that happened, the media you know, the local channels here at NBC affiliate, ABCDRA, they said, Oh, you know, here's like, a you know, a new person on the scene. Let's bring her on to talk politics. Cause that's what they do. Oh my gosh. I was scared to death. The, you know, I had no training, no idea. Of course I had done public speaking, but not that, not, not like live TV. Oh, wow. The very first time I was on, it was me, the anchor woman, a sitting congressman. So he was a current congressman and two. Male reporter. So it was the group of us at a table talking politics? Live? I thought yes, live. I thought my heart was going to pound like out of my chest, and I was like, okay, just got to get through this. And of course, you watch it now, and you can't tell that that's what I was feeling in 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 my body. But I've been doing this since two thousand and five. So as they say, the more you do it, the easier it gets. The one thing that I learned is clear communication. Short communication and sound bites for when you are doing TV.
1: Mm, and I love that you've got, it's like you got thrown into the thing. And I feel like that's where all the magic always happens for us, right? Like I don't. There isn't this this perfect preparation that happens for months and, and maybe it's different with the TED Talks and we'll get into that. No. But I feel like those moments where you're like, OK, I know I know what I'm doing, no matter how scared I am. They put me in this. They put me in the hot water. And I do you have video of that still? I'm so curious. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I have to watch. OK, you have to send me this clip. Okay. Have, it is, again,
0: yes. it's on a DVD somewhere. Oh my god, <laughs>
1: DVDs! It is all. No, but
0: it is somewhere. But yeah, and Monique, to your point, like I, think this is such an important point for listeners: is to just say yes. Sometimes, like something comes to you an opportunity, it scares you to death. You've never done it before. Maybe you don't feel prepared. You're not sure if you're gonna do a good job at it. Just say yes. You never know what's going to happen after that. And if it ends up not going well, that's okay. Like, you don't have to ever look at the DVD. (laughs) Ever,
1: ever again. And for those of you listening to who do not know what DVDs are, go Google it, okay? (laughs) Just forget. I'm not going to even go there with you. So the just say yes piece. So would you say that there are those who are natural speakers and those who can be trained to sound like natural speakers?
0: Oh, such a good question, Monique. And
1: I would say that they're not so much that
0: people are natural speakers. I feel like there are some people who naturally enjoy speaking, or maybe they had good experiences when they were younger in school, where they did some performance or they did a public speaking in front of a of a class and they enjoyed it. So they tend to then want to do more of it. Versus some people maybe more, they like writing more. Like they're they're writers. That's how they process their their thoughts and their feelings. And through writing, they can still be good speakers. And I don't try to mold anyone into a certain speaker style. I just hmm. try to, I say, let's amplify what your natural strengths already are. And then let's add in some elements to make it even better for you and for the audience. And so you don't have to run around the stage. You know, you don't have to be like super energetic if that's not your natural style. Yeah, you still need to amplify whatever it is that you do, do well when you're on a stage.
1: And I like, I say this something very similar. I say like when you're on video, whatever you are at like your 10, take it to at least a 12, right? Because we, it's like this, and I think it's the same thing with television, right? Where it's like, I don't know what it is. It's just things just fall dead on on TV or something, or we're just trying to make sure we keep people's attention, but like amplifying your authentic self. So you're still you, but you're like the, I like that, that amplified version of you. Correct. And the and here's
0: what someone who comes to mind. So I had a client of mine because I know we're going to talk about TEDx talks. She did a TEDx talk in 2017. She lives here in Orlando where I live, TEDx Orlando. And she was invited to give a talk and she said yes. Even though, and she talks about this on my podcast, she didn't have a lot of public speaking experience. Maybe she'd done like one or two talks in her life. And then she said yes to a TEDx talk and she and she knew what the topic was going to be. And it was a very real, vulnerable, emotional story for her regarding something in her family around money shame. And it was a very tragic story. And so she stood there on the TEDx stage on that red dot and she delivered her eight and a half minute talk. And she was, she just kind of, she stood there and she shared that story. And she how and it was so impactful. She didn't have to try to be, pretend to be some like, big speaker, like moving her arms around and like doing all this stuff because the content didn't lend itself to that. It was a sobering talk, Mm -hmm. but her talk has over 2 million views on it today, which is unusual for TEDx talks. Most get a few thousand views, but it did because she was her authentic self and she dug deep to share the, you know, that parts of the story that she like, it was hard. Like she teared up. At part of it, because it was it was really sad and tragic story. But she has done so much good. People contact her from around the world and thank
1: her for the talk that she gave, because it has changed their lives. Mm, I love that, and I, I it brings me to like a talk that I did where I was so afraid to cry on stage. It was a vulnerable story. I knew it was going to be a vulnerable story. And I remember writing it and kept rewriting it. So I left out the good parts because I was like, I don't want to turn into this blubbering person on stage. And I rehearsed it so many times and I presented it to some people who know me and they were like, it's good, but it's like, it's not a 100% you. And when I put those pieces in, I did cry on stage, but it was the most memorable part for people. So I love that you shared that. And I know you, are there like... Tricks or a method to the best way of like integrating your story into your talk, right? Is there, is there like a tip you can give? Cause I know a lot of people come and they're like, how do you tell your story? And it's about you, but it's like, it's not for you. It's for the audience, right? So there, I'm, I'm sure you have like a method mm-hmm. that you can share. Yeah. <laughs> you might <laughs> yes. all have to hire her, but if you can share a little sure. tip on how to do that authentically.
0: I'll, I'll do the best that I can here in the time, in the the short time that we have. Yes. It's, it's more deep rooted that there's, there's a lot more pieces to it, but I think you've seen, you, you made a good point, Monique. That is your story is, is still in service of the audience. So you want to share your story because ultimately we are humans. We're having a human to human connection. And that's what our storytelling does for when we share our stories with our audience, because they feel like you understand them and that they're not alone, even if they didn't have that exact same experience you had there is something in their story in your story that they can relate to so I'll there's a number of ways you can do it you can start your talk with your story you can start your talk you know with some audience questions audience engagement related to the topic of your talk and then kind of back into your story as an example then wh- and then what you do is that if you're starting say with your story there's a very simple sentence that is all you need to shift from you to the audience which is you may not have had this exact situation that I had, but you may have had a time where you too felt this way. And then whatever that way is that you that you described. I so love what it. It, what it is, is you're shifting from the personal, you to the universal, to them. And then you go on with the bigger lesson that you're sharing that you learned as a result of your story. Because I believe the best talks and best keynotes and TEDx talks are, what are those hard won life lessons Mm. that you experienced that now you can share with the audience and those
1: insights that you gained. So tell it to me again. So what you 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 may not have had this experience. You may not have had this exact Exact same experience, experience. but you may
0: have had a time where you also felt like whatever it happens to be. So here here's an example. I, I did this at a talk I gave a couple of months ago. As I mentioned, I was involved in local politics and it was great until it wasn't. I had this great group of supporters but all of a sudden, they thought I was too much, too, too much media attention, a woman with a public voice, too much presence. They tried to and shut the, you and, down. Oh, yes, they did. And I got to the point where it was, it was an all volunteer position. I was still running my business, my tech business at the time, all volunteer position, poured my heart and my soul into this. And then I got to the point where I was like, well, why? Why am I doing this if I'm getting this? It's one thing to get kind of like that backlash from the other side, but to get it from the people who were closest to you, it was really hard and it hurt professionally and personally. And so I decided not to run for re-election as chair. I decided not to run for Congress, which had been talked about. And then, and as I share in the story that I I do in my keynote, I lost my voice and my confidence on my purpose for several years after that. So then I say to the audience, You probably have never had this exact situation. You probably have never been chairperson of a political party. And if you had, come come talk to me. I would love to compare notes. But you may have had a time in your life where something happened to you and you also lost your voice or lost your confidence. And what did that look like? What did you do to gain it back? And now I shift into the, the rest of the talk.
1: Oh, I got goosebumps. I was like, because we've all been there. Like, yes, there's a time someone came for me and it made me shut down. And that, yeah. And the who? And I'm already like, now I'm into a whole new talk. I'm like, and who did you have to become in order to find your voice? You know, we definitely should link to your TEDx talk in the show notes so Mm -hmm. people can really see it live and in person. So let's let's talk about let's talk about TED. Let's talk about TEDx. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, let's talk about because I'm so I feel like there's like a secret society of people who get into TEDx and those who don't. There's people who get asked and there's people who have to pitch. We had someone on the podcast who had to pitch like, they said they pitched like 20 times before that happened. So, I mean, not to be like a total, you know, princess about it, but can I have like some shortcuts? Like what what is going, what do I need to do? What do we need to do to be in a position to have us be the next
0: Okay, so I've been on selection committees for TEDx and I've been speaking coach speaking coach for TEDx clients. So I've seen all sides of it. And I have also worked with clients who were pitching themselves to TEDx chapters that I had no relationship with. And here, that's the key word, relationship. If you know, if you have some connection to the organizers of that particular TEDx chapter of that TEDx event, that is gonna help so much because then you're a known name, a known face, a known entity. And then they're gonna be much more likely to see if your talk fits with what they're going to do. Mm. A lot of times the reason someone doesn't get selected for a TEDx event is not necessarily because they're not a good speaker or their topic is not interesting, is that every event has a theme and that TEDx theme may just not align with your topic or there's no way to kind of get it to align with the topic, the theme that they want for their event. And so that's why sometimes I have clients who do pitch for five, six, eight times before they find the one that's a good match for them. But if you have a rela- relationship with event organizers, so then the question is how do you do that? Start local to you. It used to be back, I don't know, 8, 10 years ago, TEDx chapters would pick speakers from anywhere. Like I would have no no people who live in Florida and they would go do TEDx Kansas City or you know TEDx Omaha, Nebraska, like these smaller ones. But what has developed more recently is that TEDx chapters really want to pull from their local community because they want to support their local community. So they're they a little bit less likely to pull people randomly from other parts of the country. It happens sometimes, but not as often. Start local, get to know those event organizers, show up to their events, volunteer for an event, just connect with them. And then when they're announcing their speakers for the next event, then you can submit your application or they may already want to pick you because they already know you and they already know what your topic is.
1: It's all relate, every part of business, business, speak, everything we want is that relationship. People like to work with and play with those who they know, like and trust. So that makes total sense. I understand where the miss has been because definitely coming in cold is going to be a lot harder when they're already, I'm sure having people on their radar. Also, that piece about the theme is important because they're trying to stay on theme with what they, what they're trying to do. And you've got your story, but if it doesn't fit, you're out of luck. And then we cannot take it so personal because like, it's not, it's not your story. And a lot of the talks I know that the women I know want to do have their story in there. And I feel like sometimes they're like, well, is my story not a good story? Is it not important? And maybe that's not why they're being chosen. So I think that can put a lot of people's mind at ease, but I'd also like to know in your opinion, because you also coach speakers, but what would you deem to be a good speaker? I'm like I'm just thinking: Is it about being a good speaker, or what is it, or is it about being a having a good talk? You're talking about for TEDx specifically. Are they different? Is, well, yeah. is TEDx very specific about how that is delivered versus yes. like your keynote somewhere else?
0: Yeah. So here, here's again, this is from my from what I have known working with with the TEDx chapters is that, of course, they want the person to be able to deliver a talk and not totally blank out or, you know, totally stumble over themselves. But they're actually less interested in finding people who have a lot of speaking experience. And they're more interested in finding an idea, an angle of a perspective and of idea that number one, fits with their theme, fits with their community, and isn't something that hasn't been talked about a lot. So your story is important, but your big idea, the angle on your idea is more important. And then your story is of service. To that. So I mentioned my client, Tammy Lally, and her talk was around money shame. Brene Brown talks about vulnerability and shame all the time. Tammy's unique angle was, well, we haven't talked a lot about money shame and what that looks like and the consequences of that. And then her story was enough of service to that idea.
1: Ah, it's the ideas that spread. That's all that TEDx is all about. So the idea is the most important thing. Okay. So even if you're a fantastic speaker, That has less to do with what is the, there's so many TED Talks online. It's like, why yours, right? Okay, I love that. That makes complete sense. So aside from TEDx, then, I'm curious, because I know you do, you help people develop their keynote talks. What makes a really great keynote talk? Okay, yeah, this is a great question.
0: I will answer it first from the perspective of event organizers who are booking Mm. and paying keynote speakers, and then I will answer it as a speaking coach and someone sitting in the audience. Okay. As far as... I think the first
1: (laughs) one I think is the most important for people right now. They're like, I want to be a paid speaker.
0: (laughs) Yes. So event organizers, conference organizers, they need to sell tickets. Why do they pay big name speakers lots of money? $50,000, $100,000 $50,000, $100,000 to speak because there are known names that are going to draw people to buy tickets for the conference and attend the conference. So those are those upper tier celebrity speakers like the Bernie Browns and former elected officials, former CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. They can get in to be keynote speakers from name recognition and title recognition. People don't really care that much about their content and speaking ability. Like they'll get better because they're doing it a lot, but that's it. Where most of us are, so me, you, Monique, your listeners, we are more in the edutainment keynote speakers. So yes, we need to impart valuable information and insights, but we're there to provide an entertaining experience for the audience at the event. We are there to set the tone, to make sure people are excited about being there and walk away feeling something, not just thinking something. And this is what I call the expert trap, Yes. As speakers we get stuck in all like, oh, I want to share all this information, you know, and these tangible things with the audience and get them to do these things. But you need to get them to feel. They're gonna remember that much more. And that's gonna be the experience for them more so than remember these 10 points that I share with you.
1: Hmm. Edutainment all. And I'm I'm totally on board with the emotional component piece because we always remember how we felt. We don't always remember what people say, but we never forget whether it's good, bad, or the other. We never forget that feeling. And I also love that you pointed out like the name recognition that people get hired based on because it's just so interesting that so many people who want to be paid speakers but don't have a name recognition. They're just like, I'm good at what I do and I want to be paid to speak. And why? what are you doing for the event organized? At the end of the day, they're the ones putting their brand on the line. So, I would love, from your perspective, just the what do you think, or how do you gauge, like the importance of your personal brand as a speaker? Is this something you talk about with your clients as you're developing your coaching and things like that?
0: Absolutely, Monique, and I know obviously you you are the expert at personal branding. This is this is what you do, and so we don't we do it from the angle of thought leadership and speaking. I know you do it much more from the angle of true personal branding, and so I will say this: so. Just because you're not, don't have huge name recognition, you're not a New York Times bestselling author or have other things, you can still get paid to speak and paid well. Are you gonna get the 50 to $100,000 per speaking gig? Probably not, but you can get paid $5,000, $7,500, $10,000 for a speaking engagement, which is good. It's a nice additional revenue stream into your business. How does that happen? Because you have a consistent platform that you're sharing your content and your thought leadership content on, whether it's your own podcast, YouTube, you know, ongoing YouTube videos. I, I would say those are the best because they're evergreen. People can always find them. Social media content can reinforce it. But the problem with only social media content is that it's ephemeral and then people can't find it. So have that. What is your what is that container that you want? And if it's writing, it could be writing. You could write a book. So find that container for yourself and then that's where it's go- you're going to use as the basis then to establish yourself as a speaker who gets paid.
1: Oh, juice. So when if you're new to the game or so you've got the you've say you've got some stuff on YouTube, maybe you have a podcast, maybe you have a book or maybe not yet, when you're going out now to pitch yourself as a paid speaker couple of questions around that. One, do you if you don't have a team or you don't have an agent, do you pitch as yourself or do you recommend your quote unquote team pitching on your behalf? And when I say quote unquote people, it means you guys don't really have a team but you're posing like you have one. That's yes.
0: so, and you can totally do that. <laughs> that is that is fine. Okay. Here's what my experience has been for paid speaking engagements. Is they come if they come to you, they find you. They find you because of your content. They find you because of your I get speaking invitations all the time because of LinkedIn, because I've optimized my LinkedIn profile for speaking invitations. So I just got one two weeks ago for this fall paid keynote. And so and also let people know you're a speaker, have a speaker page on your website. I put my starting prices for my keynotes on the website so that Mm there is no assumption that I speak for free. It is right there. This this is my and I do. I recommend that as well. So most of the time those, those paid speaking opportunities, they're going to come to you either through the, through the social media, LinkedIn websites or through relationships. However, if you are, if you need more experience, you need more exposure, you need to build your network, go ahead and pitch yourself. Most likely those are going to be free or lower priced speaking engagements because most of the paid opportunities, they don't put out advertisements
1: for them. Mm, yeah. Because they come looking for you. They know exactly Correct. what they need. Yes, um.
0: yes. So I I know there are some speaking coaches who kind of like, no, don't ever do free speaking engagements. It's not worth it. I have done so many free speaking engagements in my career, and I'm so glad that I did. It gave me so much confidence. It built my network and it lets me try out content, new
1: ideas. I'm a firm believer, especially for people who are newer to the game, to do some free because... I always, I'm like, if you're going to do something for free, make sure you can bring a videographer, make sure you record this, like grab that content so you can use it later to create a speaker reel, video, like that's just as valuable as someone paying you a lump sum that like, if I'm like, if they could pay you a lump sum, but if you're never allowed to record it and you don't have any content, ugh, like the money has gone when it's gone, but this content you could use and reuse and repurpose for who knows how long, if it's really good. Yes.
0: Oh, 100% money. And when mm-hmm. I do, even when I get paid, I always, I always present my contract to them. Me too. And I always put in there, if there's any videography that they're doing, I get a copy that I can use as however I want to. And then I will also usually hire a videographer. So I make sure I get what I
1: want. I, I 100% agree with that always. And even when it's virtual, I'm like, do I get the recording? You know, am I able to use? Like I make sure that that's in there because I just know content. So important guys, grab it, grab it, grab it by the horns. Cause you, I also find that sometimes you do like when you do the talk, you get to go back and watch yourself and really start to like analyze. Was this good? Was that good? Ooh, I said that in this, like with this tone tonality that I really, really love that when I practiced it, it didn't come across that way. And I find that that's the best way to become an even better speaker. And I mean, you're the coach, so you tell me how you're doing.
0: Oh, yeah, (laughs) it is hard. Most of us do not want to watch ourselves. And I understand that. I'll have clients send me their videos, so I will watch it for them at first. And I'll tell them how great they were and they feel better about going to watch it.
1: Yeah, because some people really hate to hear their voice or they hate to watch themselves. I don't know. What, what have, what have been some of the things people have said to why that is?
0: Mm. I know with the voicing, now we're podcasters. I've been podcasting for over five years. I am very used to hearing my voice. However, for most people who have never been recorded extensively and listen to it, when we talk just normally out to people, our voices sound lower, like we have lower register because of our skull and the way that the voice that reverberates in our skull, it sounds different to our ears. When Mm. we hear the recording, it usually sounds a little bit higher pitched and we're not used to that. And for whatever reason, we think it sounds bad.
1: Yeah. And I used to feel that way before I started a podcast. I actually, it wasn't until I was on some someone else's podcast where they were like, you have a good podcast voice. And I was like, really that's like the best thing you basically just gave me permission to go start a podcast because i had been like i don't know if people want to hear me in their in their ears or not and now i was like where was i before i love podcasting like what are we doing really with our lives you have a great you have a great voice oh thank you i think i love your voice now so nobody guys don't let that deter you okay go share your message go share your story Hello, my lovelies. I hope you're listening closely because I'm about to come through with the juiciest of announcements. I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of Zoom learning and virtual connections. That is why I am so excited to bring you this November from the 10th to the 13th. We are taking 25 badass women in business to Miami for the very first Momentum Personal Branding and Business Retreat. Yes, you heard me right. We headed to Miami. First, let's get this straight. This is not a rah-rah retreat or a conference. Momentum is a personal brand building experience. A three and a half day hands-on training where I've partnered with some of the top experts in marketing, social media, PR, intellectual property and branding. And over our weekend together... We'll show you how to position yourself as a captivating industry leader who gets those premium paying clients and aligned speaking opportunities without a huge following or hiring an expensive PR team. Basically, we're about to bust your personal brand into the next stratosphere. Plus, you're going to enjoy a luxe venue with Miami vibes. Yes, baby, we're going to be right by the beach. A decadent swag bag filled with pampering and business goodies. And find that business bestie or that squad you've been craving. All the while, you'll be getting feedback from experts who have built a seven-figure brand because they are willing to pull back the curtain on what it took to get there. My favorite part? I'm creating the juiciest personal brand playbook for you to build your next steps on the spot. So when you leave, you are ready to implement with strategy, confidence, and ease. So if you've been waiting for a sign that it's time to level up your presence and unleash your industry expertise, it's time to build those connections with women who are building an epic legacy. This is that invitation you have been waiting for. So don't sleep on this because there are limited spots available. It is my mission to create a curated experience for every single person who gets in that room. So when the spots be gone, they be gone. But if you know you want to be there, I want you to go and visit bit.ly forward slash momentum retreat. Tickets are closing July 29th. And if you want to know if it's for you, if you have questions, do not hesitate. Click that link in the show notes and book a call with me. I'm speaking to every single one of you who I know this was meant for. There's no way I'm going to put you in that room if you are not in a position to go and execute on all the juice we'd be delivering. So if you know this is for you or you have questions, just go to bit.ly forward slash momentum retreat. Now let's get back to the episode. Speaking of that, I do want to talk a little bit about how you you're very vocal around the importance of women sharing their voice and getting on more stages. I love this. So why why do you think this is necessary?
0: Well, so Monique, I mentioned that back, you know, I 20 years ago I started my first business, which was in the technology realm. And I would go to tech conferences, usually the only woman there doing software demos or speaking about topics, and then I started going to more business marketing conferences and i would still be one of only very few women that were there and i ironically i didn't i kind of noticed it but also didn't notice it at the same time i think i was just happy to be there and just happy to be out you know meeting new people but then as kind of time went on i would i would be a little, i would look around a little bit more I'm like oh there's not there's not a lot of women here right much less black women and women of color like there was very little diversity and so when I started speaking your brand, I knew that that was something that, number one, I had to do myself, like on the podcast and the different platforms that we have, but then also helping more women do that because if you are if you're at a conference and you're talking about any topic, any topic, it doesn't have to be women's oriented topic, any topic, could be electric vehicles, could be climate change, it could be supply chain issues, whatever it happens to be, guess what? Women were half the population. We should have a voice in these topics. There's a great website called genderavenger.com. They have a Twitter account, genderavenger, and they will review conference speaker and panel lineups and then rate the conferences based on the number of women speaking versus men and the number of women of color speaking as well. And then they will call out the conferences for not having a balanced ratio. They are so good. Oh my gosh,
1: I love that gender avenger. (laughs) Somebody is out here monitoring this, guys. I love that because that's one of the things that, you know, as a woman and a woman of color, I noticed in a lot of things that I would go to and be like the only one or be one of two. And even when it came to like panel discussions and things like that, and I always like to look at it from the perspective of, well, if I was another woman sitting in the audience, I'll always if there's not someone there that looks like me, I'm always going to feel like I can't ask a question or my story doesn't matter or she can't relate. And I get a lot of people who will message me and be like, if they do see me at something and be like, oh, my gosh, I was so excited to see you on the panel. I i really didn't think there would be one other black woman anywhere. And they still And, you know, I always say to them, I was happy to do it. And I'm also happy that you still came out to the event, even though you weren't 100% sure if you would see anyone else like you. Because as long as we are not going to the events and allowing, you know, some of the you know, marketing material or things out there to stop us. We're never going to be able to create what we're trying to create with this, you know, with like more diversity everywhere we go. It becomes this like vicious cycle. Of, well, I didn't see anyone on the marketing material that looked like me. So I didn't go and then you go and then there's nobody there. Like it's this, yes. blah, 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 blah. right? So yes. gender avengers, that we're calling, we are shouting you out over here. I love this. Everybody go follow them and let's find out who's doing their job and not doing their job. Can I have one more thing, Monique? About Please. This? So,
0: I I work with primarily women and I primarily go to women's conferences. I primarily speak at women's conferences. I like being in my bubble, right? It's very, it's very nice and very affirming and validating. And it's lovely. Yet I also have, I've been thinking about this for a while. When we do this, and I have a number of, of women colleagues and clients who also focus on women and women's conferences, et cetera, which is great. Yet we're not showing up where the men are. So the men don't get to see us
1: They don't even know how great we are.
0: Capable, confident, powerful women standing on the stages because we're kind of isolating ourselves in these women's events. So my one of my intentions as we get back into more in-person speaking, now that we're coming out of kind of the worst of the pandemic, is making sure that I'm also going to and speaking at co-ed conferences and events.
1: Oh my gosh, that's such a good point because I'm the... Now that you're saying that, I'm like, I'm the worst. Like, I don't want to go... I'm like, women events, women events, rah, rah, rah. That's all I want to be. And then you see other powerful women and you're like, she can do it, I can do it. There's a lot of us out here, but you're right. We're not going to any of the co-ed events. We're not going to any male dominated. It's like, we just don't even want to deal with the energy of it. But then it again, that's a self-perpetuating cycle too because they don't know how awesome we are if we're not in the room and we're not on the stages. Yes, and we need to build relationships with them too because guess
0: what? They have connections and they also hire and know that organizers
1: and they're also decision makers over there. Yes, yes. And I'm curious, I'm sure there are, but because you have been in both types of conferences, you know, whether it's co-ed, male dominated, is there any advice or tips or anything? Or when you do as a woman, you're used to doing all women like events, and now you're going to venture into some co-ed or some male dominated arenas. Is there any advice you would give to to us who are going to do that?
0: Yeah, that's a good. I know. I need, I need to think about this for myself as I venture back out into these. I would say, bring a friend, bring a like, bring a girlfriend, bring with a wingman. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, bring a woman. just to like, you have someone to chat with to kind of help pump you up too. And then the other thing is that just like, just know why you're there and how important your message is, and for you standing there on that stage, regardless of what else happens. The other thing I think we like about women's conferences is that we feel we get a lot of affirmation. Because the other one usually will agree with us with whatever it is that we're saying, right? We might feel a little bit more trepidation going into a, a mixed audience of, am I going to get that same affirmation? Am I going to ruffle feathers? So maybe just know going in your goals or the outcomes that you expect may be a little bit different, but know that it's okay. Like maybe ruffling feathers is the goal for that event versus for the other event and maybe
1: more of the kind of collaboration. Maybe it's time to like rub people the wrong way. Maybe that's the, that's the, like, I think the important thing is, is whether you're making people feel great or whether you're making them feel bad, you're making them feel, right? You yes. don't want to be for, forgotten. I yes. always say this, like boring does not sell.
0: But right, nobody's going to cut it. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not. It's not going to be memorable. And thought leadership is about challenging the status quo and helping the audience see things in a different way. Like what's the, what mental model do they currently hold that they need to shift for the betterment of everyone?
1: Mm, Tell them. So, I mean, I could talk to you about this all day. (laughs) like Selfishly, I totally could. One of the things, though, I don't want to leave without asking. I have my own bias on this. But is there certain things that you would advise people to have or start collecting for themselves in terms of assets before they start saying, speaking is the thing that I want to be doing? Or they can be gathering now. I have some things, I have some thoughts, but yes. from your perspective, <laughs> I would love to know, like, what should these, what should people be gathering in terms of assets? What should they have? I will answer the question about
0: assets specifically, but I will say, still say yes and go do it, even if you don't have any of these things that we're about to talk about. When I started speaking, I had nothing. I didn't have a sizzle reel. I didn't have, you know, anything. Right. So you you collect these later. I would say this. I as we talked about before, get video of you speaking. Wherever it happens to be, you can have virtual as well. And then in-person video clips, that's always helpful. Get testimonials when you go and speak. Again, virtual in-person. I just kind of peppered those testimonials on my speaker page on my website just to reinforce whatever it is that kind of your speaking style and personality. So the video, the testimonials, know what you want to charge, like what your starting speaker fee is. And so that you have that So when someone comes to you, you're not like, oh, I don't know. Uh <laughs> wondering what you should say. And then I would say if you, you know, and spend spend a little bit of time putting the speaker page on your website. It's good for SEO. It's good to send people there that has all your media assets as well. Doing podcast interviews is a great way also just to practice your message, practice your stories, get more comfortable
1: speaking. What else would you add, Monique? I'm very big on like, go clean up your digital house, people. Like people are going to, the first thing they want to, want to do is go look you up. So you've got a speaker page, say that's great, but then all your socials, your LinkedIn, wherever you want to be, you, wherever you're seen, clean it up. So it is in line with how you want to be perceived, right? Like, and how much you want to be charging. Like, I don't know anyone who's going to pay you $10,000 when you're looking at jankity ass mess on all of your social, (laughs) social platforms. I mean, like, I don't understand. You're charging $10,000, but I'm very clear. Like all of this. Is like old or out of date or just pictures of your dog It's like put your private stuff on private that's why there's a privacy piece or take it down right like show up as the professional you want to be paid as and I agree with everything else that you had mentioned as well. oh but it, yes, absolutely you yeah your how whatever front
0: facing you have has to reflect what you want to charge that goes in your business as well as in your speaking absolutely and right. I will also say this for listeners. I primarily focus on LinkedIn as my social media platform is the one that I like. I don't use Facebook. I don't use Instagram. I use Twitter a little bit for the politics stuff. And it's okay. You don't have to be everywhere. Find the one, I'm sure Monique, you would say this, find the one that you feel like you, that you like the most, that you're going to be consistent with and focus on that. Don't worry about having to be everywhere.
1: A hundred percent. If TikTok's not your thing, don't you don't need to be on TikTok. It's like, I'd rather you do a really good job on the platform that you're going to be consistent on Versus you doing a half-assed job on all of the other ones. Just shut it down, people. Stop putting yourself through the torture. Oh my gosh, Uh this is so fantastic. So many notes, guys. I really hope wherever you're listening, go back and re-listen because you definitely didn't catch all the juice that was happening right here from Carol herself. Carol, I'd love to know if you'd love to share anything really juicy that you're working on right now with the audience, let them know and let them know the best place to come and find you.
0: Well, thank you, Monique. It has been so fun talking with you. I knew it would be fantastic and it's even exceeded my expectations. Our, our signature program is called the Thought Leader Academy. This is how we work with the women entrepreneurs and leaders who come through and work with us on their signature talks and their thought leadership. So you can get all that information at speakingyourbrand.com slash academy. And then if you're listening to Monique's podcast, you can jump on over and listen to my, co- my podcast called Speaking Your Brand.
1: Love it. Go check that out, guys. Do not sleep on this. Do not message me and say, I really want to be a speaker. And then I am going to ask you, did you go and listen to all of our podcasts where you get all of the juicy pieces on how to make that happen? And the other thing I want to leave everyone with is what she, carols said just around like, say yes. If someone asks you, say yes. Don't let fear take over because you never know what magic you will build. Thank you for being here, Carol. I so appreciate you. Thank you for all the great work that you do and keep pushing those women voices out into the world. Thank you. You too. If you enjoy this episode, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss the juice every single week. And if you thought this episode was super juicy, it would mean the world if you gave it a five star rating and left a review over on iTunes so I could keep bringing the juice to more people who need it. And if you want to win some juicy swag, I want you to take a screenshot of this episode from wherever you're listening, then post it to your stories and tag me over on Instagram at Monique Brian underscore co that's Brian with a Y and you will automatically be entered to win until next time my lovelies keep building that brand over a business and raising your juicy CEO status